Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 58 here on Monday, November 20th, 2017. With Thanksgiving just around the corner, we are here to help you gobble up the retro wrestling goodness. I, of course, am Joe Murata. This is Mr. Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. What's going on, man? How we doing? Gobble, uh, gobble day just around the corner. We're getting close to the gobbledy gooker day. <laughs> yeah, he's set for action, yeah, all right? he's almost set for action. He is. And folks, we are glad you are here for all of the retro wrestling action. We have some great topics in store for you. We know what they are. They're going to be wonderful. You're going to get some great insight about the retro wrestling. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to any of that, a few administrative tasks if you will. Yes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter if you haven't yet, at OVP Podcast. And on the Twitter, you can do the typical Twitter things. You can actually type with 280 characters That's right. now, I've heard. That's pretty new. I haven't really tested it, tested it. Well, it gives me easier writing the links to everything. So for us, it's actually good, because now I don't have to hold back about hashtags and all that nonsense. That's right. You don't want to hold back your hashtags, folks. Yeah. And of course, you can email us, the long form email at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is O. VP podcast at gmail.com if you have anything long form you want to say. But we recommend joining, if you haven't yet, the Facebook group, Quinn. It's a great place oh, to talk. Oh, yeah. The Facebook group. It's the most Nuts. funnest wrestling place on the internet. You know, no negativity. Yeah. No negativity. Carrie Von Eric feet uh, jokes. All the time. Um, yeah. If you just want to be comfortable being a retro wrestling nerd, yeah. Come to our freaking group. It's great. No yeah. judgments there. Sit back and relax and talk with the fans. Yeah. And how do they find that, Quinn? Well, you go over to Facebook.feet <laughs> and you type in our vantage point retro wrestling podcast. Our group will show up and you just hit join. We'll let you in. Come on in. And uh, there's a few other things you can do if you want to be involved in the OVP community. You know, we are hosted on SoundCloud. Yes. That is not the only place to find us. There's some other places. Quinn, what are we thinking? Well, there's Apple Podcasts, and yep. over there you can hit the subscribe button, and then the podcast magically gets in your phone or whatever, mm -hmm. and you can also leave a review over there. Yes, you can. And of course, you can get it over on Google Play, yep. Stitcher, yep. Blueberry, mm -hmm. Auto, yep. FaceSpace. I don't know. Anywhere where there's podcasts. <laughs> FaceSpace is a, not a recommended app. I no, would definitely not get it from there. That's not even real. No, it's not real. But uh, that's why it gets the who cares. Exactly. And a few other things here, folks. There's a couple of shows that we really like. Yes. A couple of friends of the show we want to shout out here that we don't want to forget. We, of course, have our little brother show. Aha. Uh -huh. Petey Winson. Yes. Now, he hosts a lonely lonely one-man show called Greetings from Allentown. Yeah, I just recently heard that Tool Time episode he did. <laughs> That's right. You know, and that episode introduced Quinn to a band called Shack Attack, who had some great songs in uh, the early 80s until now. But <laughs> yeah, anyway. Shack Attack's pretty good, actually. I, I'm glad I listened to that little blurb there. Yes. But uh, you can find PD at GF Allentown. Greetings from Allentown on the Pro Wrestling Only feed of the Place to Be Nation, and his own feed on SoundCloud and iTunes and wherever podcasts are. And another show 
the wrestling podcast about nothing. And that is independent wrestling referee Mike Crockett and independent wrestler, the kingpin, Brian Malonis. They talk about a variety of crap in the in the wrestling field, yeah, so to speak. The field of wrestling. Yes. Yeah, so it's quite a field. It is a great field. Check them out. It's WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And couple more things, and I promise we're going to get to our first topic. Yes. We have a Patreon. If you haven't seen that yet, you can find it on our website, ovppodcast.com. And what is on the Patreon, Quinn? Some of the rewards, tiers, and things? Well, the big thing is the live video reviews are returning. They have returned, actually, because the first one came out already. And you should be seeing the second one come December 1st. Yeah, so not too far away. It's time for it's April of 1982. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. In order to be a part of that tier, they only have to donate three bucks. Is that yeah, right? Three bucks. It's like, is right. that what's a cup of coffee cost nowadays? Because I'm not a big coffee drinker. <laughs> it's less than a cup of coffee <laughs> a month. Yes, and you get some great things there if you go to our Patreon. That is Patreon.com/slash/ovppodcast. One more thing yep. that we wanted to mention here is that we are not doing a Survivor Series special this year. No, we did last year. We're not going to do the big four again because we right. did that. But there's good news. We will have a holiday special in December. Don't you worry. Yes. And some other great things that are brewing and things that we'll be thinking of as time goes on. Yeah, I'm thinking right now of things, but I can't say them on this show. <laughs> no, we can't be doing that. Now, Quinn, we have been doing a series this entire season, season six. Yes, we have. We have called it the foundational series for the modern era, kind of talking about how we got from the pre-Vince McMahon days, mm-hmm. so to speak, till where we are right now. And when we last left off, WCW, Ted Turner's WCW, with Eric Bischoff at the helm, had just made a very important acquisition, Quinn. Did you know that? Oh, yes, they had. That's right. They got their hands on Brutus the Barber. Oh, no, no, no. Not him. No. No, not him. Not Please not him. Please not him. In June of 94, as we mentioned, WCW finally did it. The coup de grace. Hulk Hogan signs with Wow. Well, you know something, Mean Gene? This has got to be the greatest day in Hulk Hogan's wrestling career. It was huge. Because Hogan Quinn, obviously, for the past 10 years, had been with who? WWF. Yeah, no shit. And that's where he made his name. Yeah. I mean, nobody really knew who Hulk Hogan was until WWF. And honestly, if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, it's very arguable. How would Vince have fared throughout the 1980s? He wouldn't have fared at all. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. wouldn't be any faring. (laughs) Very good. Shut up! And when Eric Bischoff picks up Hulk Hogan in June of 94, this is kind of the catalyst, in a good way and a bad way, to bring in a ton of Hogan cronies. Oh, no. A ton of the past, right? Yes, yes. Like Honky Tonk Man. And like Jim Duggan. Yeah. Brutus the Butcher Beefcake. Oh, God. Brutus Beefcake. Yeah. Earthquake. Yes. Kamala. Mm-hmm. And basically what Eric Bischoff did throughout late 94 into 95 is he emphasized the Hulk Hogan aspect of the company, which I don't blame him. You no. get Hulk Hogan, you push him to the top. Well, he was trying to be WWF Junior, but now he really was like, he. you could kind of drop the Junior part. It's yes. like, no, this is just what WWF was like two years ago. <laughs> right. And I'm going to give WCW credit here. Mm-hmm. They get Hulk Hogan. They sign him in June of 1994. Hogan's first WCW match is in July of 94, a bash at the beach. Yes. And who is it against? It's the match that Vince failed to do. It's Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan, the match everyone wanted to see. For the world title. Right. Yeah, I know the brother's on top of the world right now, dude. I know he's styling and profiling limousines and rear jets and all that stuff. Now, Vince, like you said, Quinn, in 1992, had this opportunity to put this on Mm pay-per-view. He didn't. Yep. For whatever reason, you know, we'll never know, really, the real story there. I mean, they're still talking about it over on that 30 for 30, even. I mean, people still talk. Like, what the hell was Vince doing? 
I don't know. But WCW did it. Mm-hmm. And they got a huge buy rate for Bash at the Beach. And now, all of a sudden, WCW is a major player. Because they've picked up Hulk Hogan. Believe me, folks, in 1994, steroid allegations from a few years prior notwithstanding, Hulk Hogan is still very relevant. Oh, yeah. He's I a mean, name. People still remembered him. I mean, it wasn't that long ago or <laughs> right. anything. I mean, he still had a show where he drove boats around and... <laughs> Did things, you know. He was in movies sometimes. You yeah. know, he was known. He, he was he a was, nanny. He was. He was. He was. He was wrestling to a lot of people. Just got a real low tolerance for gorillas and rent-a-cop suits. So you add him into the mix with a guy like Ric Flair, with guys like Big Van Vader. Mm-hmm. The Big Boss Man was another one that was now in WCW. Yes. Not to mention Steve Austin. Uh-huh. Stunning Steve Austin. And Sting, of course. Mm-hmm. And there's some really good talent over in WCW. Yeah, and even by 94, they still had Rick Rude. They had Rude for yeah. a while, yep. But WWF, after WrestleMania 10 in -hmm. March, we have that steroid trial like we mentioned. Yeah. They're kind of hitting the beginning of a low point as 94 comes to a close over there, Quinn. Yeah, it's kind of like a a sports team, right? They're they're rebuilding because they lost their biggest name. Hogan's gone. Savage for some godforsaken reason. Vince hasn't had wrestle on television since WrestleMania 10. This this always boggled my mind because you got the best guy other than Hogan still employed. Literally. And you have him sitting at a desk, talking, doing nothing. Every Monday night, just Every talking. Every Monday night, he could be in the ring, he's fine. Yeah. And then when he does wrestle, you have him wearing a shirt, he looks like crap. <laughs> like, what? I still don't get that. I don't know about the shirt, but I do know this, Quinn. Savage left WWF in November of 1994. I'd like to uh, announce, unfortunately, that Randy Savage has been unable to sign a, a contract with the World Wrestling Federation, not unable to, uh, rather, come to terms with the World Wrestling Federation. And a month later, he appears on WCW Saturday night yeah. to pick up kind of where he left off. Like, I'm here to either shake mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan's hand or slap him in the face. I'm going to take my hand and put it out to you, Hulk Hogan, and shake your hand. The other thing that may happen is that I might slap you in the face. It's great. It's what everyone, everyone was just waiting. We want to see Randy Savage wrestle. When's the macho man, as I always say? And from 1994 onward until he left WCW, you know what Savage did? He wrestled. Yeah, he was just a normal wrestler. Like he had always been. Yeah, he was fine. (laughs) He was fine. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't amazing. But But he was fine. Yeah. And even Duggan tried over there. Like it was like this WCW, WCW gave a rebirth to all these old WWF guys. These guys that were kind of in hibernation since like, post survivor series 92 very well said like you mentioned that was kind of the the downturn there for the wwf so in wcw you have that going on in wwf you have the diesel era beginning at the end of 94 which we have talked about the new generation is in full force and quinn the new generation (laughs) it has its like pluses and minuses but mostly minuses it's mainly marked by a period of apathy within the fan base right i mean really low attendance yeah bad arenas like yeah, aircraft it's smoky the in there all the time hangers, yeah. like the worst version of gorilla monsoon like, doesn't you know, give a shit 95 girl but yeah. oh there he is the yeah. ladder man yeah like the always calling voice. people the wrong thing well he's got to turn around so i can get the whole sentence in there but hey 1995 is here 
gimmicks out the asshole. Um, everyone's a, everyone has a job. Yeah, like, a side not, job. Like a side job. There's dumpster man. There's a dentist man. There's a dentist man. The race car man. Yep. The there, guitar man. There's a man. There's always a man of some kind. Later on, there's a hockey man. There's always yeah. all these men, right? Yeah. They do other, the MVP man or the Abe Why aren't sports. they just wrestlers? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's what they were doing in WCW. The big boys were playing over there, right? Yeah. Okay. So real quick contrast here. As 1995 rolls forward, it's about even in terms of quality because whatever luster there still was in 94 mm-hmm. WCW, by 95 now, that's starting to wear off. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like a baby's toy. You know, like yes. nobody, why they have Hulk, let's do something different. You right, know? exactly. That's but what in, the fans want. Instead, he's just beating up Vader, making Vader look stupid. Dungeon of Doom. The Dungeon of Doom becomes a thing. Now, this was... Kevin Sullivan's band of idiots and misfits that for some reason people like. Yeah, the idea was is that if you get all Hogan's enemies like combined, then they could finally take down Hulk Hogan. Right. So that would be like Earthquake, Kamala, the Butcher, etc. Yeah, yeah, all these garbage people. <laughs> yes. My father, I smell his presence also. So in 1995, it's weird because it's kind of a toss-up. However, WCW does something, and this is where we're going with this week's segment. Yeah. In September of 1995, that definitively changes the landscape. So if Hulk Hogan signing in 94 and then the influx of former WWF guys, if that was the catalyst, this is the explosion. And boom goes the dynamite. WCW, Monday Nitro, Quinn, September 4th, 1995. Explain the impact of that. Okay, so be- prior to this, all you had really was Raw on Monday, yep, and you had WCW on Saturday at about six oh five ish, yep, and that was kind of it, right? And then they, they, had, they to- had like the, the other shows, like Pro and like superstars. Uh, superstars, but that stuff didn't matter. But who cares? But who cares, right? Now on Monday night, you have two completely separate wrestling shows, yep, on at the exact same time, yes. And you have to choose, you know, you have to say, am I going to go with WWF this week or am I going to go with the WCW this week? And especially the first week you were like, what is this WCW? I want to check that out. Because the first week, Lex Luger, who had literally just been seen days earlier at SummerSlam. Yeah. On on pay-per-view. This set the tone, I think, is that's the thing with the Lex Luger. Yes. When you're watching Nitro, the initial one, I remember watching it and I'm like, Okay, these are like the guys I saw in WCW Saturday Night. That's cool. Sure. And they have like a Monday Night Raw kind of show, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But then at the end, there's a WWF guy and you're like, whoa, okay, this is different. Like, this is like anything can happen. It's live. They, they emphasize that it was live, yes, which did. Raw was not live. All the time, though. And it just seemed like things were happening. Yeah. Because of that Luger thing after that. I didn't want to miss an episode of Nitro. Right. Ever again. That was the perfect way to set the tone. Yeah. And and you have to remember something, folks. WWF, like Quinn said, was doing this unopposed for two and almost three years by this point. Yes. Monday night primetime wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. So for WCW to do it, WWF was probably like, yeah, who cares? Right. They thought, oh, it's just going to be crappy WCW on Monday. And then Lex Luger shows up. What in the hell is he doing here? Get the kid Ooh. off of here. We got a war here. We got a war here. So, WWF, like Quinn said, was not live every week. Nitro was live every week. So what did Eric Bischoff do? He would give away the freaking results. Yes. I remember it clear as day. He would say, you know, Goldust beats this yeah, guy. Right. Shawn Michaels super kicks for yep. the win. 
He gave you all the details before the show even aired. Now, isn't this funny? Because Vince McMahon, who would never hurt anyone else 10 years earlier, <laughs> he would never, ever try to stampede in anyone's territory and buy people out and buy time slots, right? Like, he definitely didn't do and, that. And bully people out of pay-per-view mm-hmm. and all this. Isn't it a little bit satisfying for Vince to have to deal with the taste of his own bitter medicine? Yeah, it's about damn time WCW played a little dirty. Because they, they always got screwed Look, either man, way. It's business. Yeah. And if Bischoff had the leg up because Turner wanted to beat Vince, Turner wanted to put Vince out of business, yeah. Turner wanted to kick his ass, then Bischoff's going to do whatever it takes. And if that means you freaking put him on TNT live, if that's what it takes, giving away the results to Raw because it was taped and it sucked anyway, and we yeah. know that because we watched it. It was awful. Fine, do it. And I mean, that- it really exposed how poor the WWF was at that time. Yep. The new tag team combination. Two masked men together teaming up for the first time. Avatar. And I'll tell you, wait a minute. Look out. Look at this. So they would trade back and forth the ratings war. This is, of course, the period of time known as the Monday Night Wars. And WWF kind of ignores it for the first three or four months. Yeah, they don't act like WCW exists nope. at all. Now, in late 1995, in December, something very interesting happens. The former WWF women's champion, Alundra mm-hmm. Blaze, appears on Nitro. Now, she was someone, again, that was just seen a few weeks earlier at Survivor Series. Right. She shows up, Quinn, and what happens? She throws the WWF Women's Championship, the actual physical belt that is owned by the World Wrestling Federation at the time, in the garbage can on WCW Nitro live. Holy shit. And she says, you know, I'm here, you know, this is where the big girls play or whatever she yep. says. You know, basically, that this is better. WWF sucks. This is the WWF Women's Championship Whoa. belt. Look. That indeed it is. is. Right, Chad. And that's what I think of the WWF Women's Championship belt. Because this is where the big boys play. And now, this is where the big girls play. So basically now, as we head into 1996, WWF runs these billionaire Ted skits. And you got to know something about Vince McMahon. He only makes fun of shit like that when he's threatened. Yes. There was he, not a peep out of him before None of this. them were funny. That was the thing. They were, <laughs> they were confusing. They're like, uh-huh. Especially if you're a kid, you're like, you're kind of like, what are they even talking about? I know. Like, it, it was weird. Just mean The nacho man. This is where the big boys play. So petty, right? Yeah, like, so, like, oh, let's make fun of three old guys, right? And but I mean, the way they were make your they, show better. You they asshole. were, they were like, oh, they're old. And they would show them like in walkers, and like right. they didn't have hair and like, stupid crap, and like. Well, they're kicking your ass, yeah. and they're still old, so it do- doesn't make it good that you're <laughs> highlighting that they're old. You know what I mean? It's true. And for WWF, despite their excellent WrestleMania 12 main event yeah. of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. A and wrestling clinic at the time. For the, t- for the time, yeah. It was, and despite now Hogan finally being gone at that point mm-hmm. from WCW, you know, the triple cage thing happened right yeah. around that same time as WrestleMania 12. It's not like WCW was putting they, amazing things they on. Were. However, they were, good. they were making the program exciting. Yes, they like, were. Even though this stuff sucked, you never knew what was going to happen. It was like people would come to the desk and mm-hmm. random people would show up like Sabu or something. Yeah, you'd see Sabu. You had some good wrestlers. Yeah. The cruiserweights were starting in the spring of 96. Just Yeah, just starting then. So basically, as we all know, with Shawn Michaels as the WWF champion in the spring and summer and into the fall of 1996, ratings were not high. No. Attendance was not high. And fan interest was kind of wavering because of this competing show on the other channel. Right. Now, on May 27, 1996, 
Ted Turner does give, finally, the two hours yes. to TNT for Nitro. And that happens to be when Scott Hall debuts. Now, we have talked about this recently, but just a quick recap, Quinn. So the mauler was mauling his opponent. There was, there was, you know, just a random match. This is why it's actually, I think it's always important to say that there was like just a jobber match happening. It was Mike Enos, the mauler versus Steve Dahl. Yeah, it was like a nothing match, nothing. right? And then all of a sudden you start to see in the distance, the fans are like flipping out and you're mm-hmm. like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden you see Scott Hall stroll in from the crowd. Yep. And you're like, what the hell? Like Razor Ramon, you were thinking it's Razor Ramon. Yeah. They're not even calling him Scott. They're no. like, get him out of here. No one was calling him Scott Hall yet. Right. And and he just comes in and says, you know, you know who I am. You don't know why I'm here. You don't know why I'm here. We're taking over that yeah, whole thing. That you whole war? thing. You want a war, you know, and, and they were off to the races. All of a sudden it was like, I don't want to watch the WWF anymore. Right. Like, that's how I felt. Me I was too. like. Oh, there's nothing going on over there, and and freaking Scott so, Hall just showed up all of a sudden. And if you weren't watching at the time, folks, or maybe you were, then you know how it felt. This was unprecedented. No, people didn't just, like, they weren't there the week before and just yeah. were, like, on the other show the next week. And the level of excitement that Nitro had at that period of time, the summer of 96, the fall of 96, the NWO angle, and we, we don't have time to get into every single facet of it, but basically the reason WCW took over yeah. was Scott Hall. Kevin Nash. Like the Kevin Nash factor is important because it sets a precedent that Scott Hall showed up, right? And maybe you were to think at first, oh, you know, it's just a new guy, right? But then like a second guy comes true. in like a, a week or two later and you're like, is this going to like happen all the time? Like yeah, who's next? Like, and they did do that. Yeah. So it was, if, if somebody didn't come right afterwards, it might have stalled, you know? That's a good point. And that set the precedent. That became the exciting show to watch. Yes, it was very exciting. And it was if edgy. You, if you were seeing the crap that was on Raw, like I was, you know, I'd watch Raw, but I would... Yeah, you but know, not for I'd the more, pug, not for Alex Porto. Right, you know? and I would more veer towards WCW around that time because I was just like, well, you know, it's just jobber matches and like, I, mean, I could watch the giant fight like Hulk Hogan right. or something. Like That was the thing. Given the choice between this leather-clad gang, which included Eric Bischoff later on, we've talked about all this, yeah, and Salvatore Sincere, yeah. what else would you watch? Yeah, it, it, it just seemed <laughs> like you were running out of reasons other than like loyalty to the WWF to watch it. That's that, really what it was. That's about all that kept me going. I like it to tell all the beautiful people in this building that I love you. Throughout 1997, Quality of show notwithstanding. Yeah. Because WWF did have some really good shit in 97. Yeah. As did WCW. WCW is wrestling again. Now, they are wrestling. Yeah. WCW is the mainstream appeal. They have Dennis Rodman. They have Hulk Hogan. They have ad... uh, They have endorsements. They have things like that. They got got legends, too. Like, it seems stupid to look back on, but I mean, like... Piper, it was cool at the time. It's like, hey, like Piper's now in WCW. Right. I'm not out here. I'm not out here to do anything. It just it seemed like anybody could show up. It didn't matter who, what affiliation they had in the past. That's why the Piper one was always interesting to me because like he was always WWF. It's sure. Like, now Roddy Piper's here. Like what the hell? Like I know, and they still had Ric Flair. Yeah. But they had all these great cruiserweights. They had Rey Mysterio and yes. Juventud Guerrero and, and Dean I, Malenko. And I, I just want to take a sec to highlight that because the reason. WCW you would think on the surface was over because like look at all these big stars in the main event right but the cruiserweights as far as watching the program the way the program was actually programmed Mm -hmm. the cruiserweight is what kept you there at the opening of the show you got to see 
great matches with Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio Jr., Chris Jericho, sure. Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, stuff like it, that you couldn't see on the other channel. Right. This was not being done anywhere. No. Yeah. It not was, in the U.S. especially. And Vince tried to imitate it oh at the time, God. but it was terrible. <laughs> Heavy metal. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, I can remember to this day some of the cool episodes of Nitro, like where they were outdoors or something. Like, I specifically remember this episode where, like, Dean Malenko, like, was on the top rope and he launched Rey Mysterio Jr. into the sky. And yeah. then and he put his like knee out and Rey Mysterio like landed on his chest on Demolinko's knee. It's like, holy shit, what no one's doing this. Yeah, that was really unprecedented. Yeah. So the bottom line is throughout ninety seven, the perception was whether it was true or not quality wise on a weekly basis is debatable as right. as WWF got better, which we're covering next week. Yeah. But the perception was, holy shit, WCW is the best thing in wrestling. Right. It was so much better. Like by a long shot. It was more exciting. Their live television program was yeah. was untouchable. And they had a diverse talent pool. Yes. They had guys from Japan. Yeah. They had guys from Mexico. They had veterans. They had up-and-comers like Chris Jericho. Yeah. And they had the major stars. They had Hall and Nash. They had Ric Flair. They yeah. had Hulk Hogan. They had The Giant. They had everybody. Yeah. They were seemingly untouchable. They were on top of the wrestling I world. I didn't know how they could lose. And Vince McMahon, despite all of his years of experience and everything that he knew how to do and all of his old formulas, nothing is working. What is going to happen? Well, that is where someone somewhere had an idea of giving the WWF some attitude and it sorely needed it. So next week, let's find out how Vince McMahon took back control once and for all. Back after this. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Get into all the sounds and action of the WCW with the Electronic Nitro Wrestling oh. Arena. You activate the sound. Hear the call of the Wolfpack as Kevin Nash struts up the runway. Launch Macho Man from the top turnbuckle. Hit the ropes and hear the action as you fire Goldberg across the ring. It sounds just like I'm at a match. Lower in sting from the rafters. Hear the count as you pin your opponent. This is no ordinary ring. It's the best WCW wrestling ring ever. Who's next? The new WCW Electronic Nitro Wrestling Arena. Figures sold separately. Batteries not included. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. Yeah, and welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us here for episode number 58, Monday, November 20th, 2017. It is time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, and this is where each week Quinn and I will put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore, and four of the worst will go down into the desert of Death Valley. This is a fan request again this week, and we want to make mention that at any time, you can go to our website, ovppodcast.com. We have a little tab called Suggestions. You click on that, it brings up a Google spreadsheet, and you can type in your very own suggestion. Isn't that right, Michael? Wow. I know. Yeah, you can put it right in there. Put it right in there. Put it right in there. (laughs) So, Quinn, this is, this week, a suggestion from A.J. Smith, Mm. and it is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Feuds. Feuds. Wow, feuds. A good feud is a reason to watch a match. Basically. I mean, without a good feud, I don't care. Like, that's like 90% of the crap on WWE right now, but... (laughs) To me, that's what a feud should do. It should make you want to see the match at the pay-per-view. Absolutely. You know, that, that's it. It's it, You know, you want to use a movie analogy. No matter how well the movie is acted, mm-hmm. if it doesn't have a story I care about, yeah. why am I watching it? Yep. And basically, all wrestling is based off feuds going back 
forever you know even if it's just a matter of you know hacking schmidt versus like whoever carl gotch being like hey i want to be the best even if it's a matter of some guy costs somebody a match on superstars or some shit and then the next week they fight even if it's over a bottle of shampoo yeah or a dog getting run over yeah or a hand or a hand yeah there's all different things you know that you can feud over and a good feud would be one that i would say makes sense yes i think that's kind of crucial Uh is that the motivations are understood Yep. I think another one would be that the quality of the matches are good mm-hmm. because that ties the whole thing together. Right. That it's believable. What, what else do you think makes a good feud, Quinn? I think you summed it up. I yeah. think what makes a bad feud is kind of the opposite of those things. You know, yeah. I don't want to watch this because I don't have any investment and I don't care. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Very well said. Well, I guess, Quinn, you got to introduce, so I'll get to drop a deuce. Yeah, sure. Whatever. All right. So for <laughs> number one. I'm going to go with one of my personal favorites anyway okay. up for discussion. Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. Great feud. 96-97. Um, the buildup was great because Unbelievable. You know, Austin just, you know, one day he just says, I don't like Bret Hart, right? It doesn't seem like much buildup. Bret Hart is at his house because he's scared of Stone Cold and that's the bottom line. You know, Bret kind of ignored him at first. You know, yeah. Austin was like a thorn in his side literally for, for yeah. like months yes you know he picked on his family he was so mean and he would generally just be a pain in the ass he'd show up in brett's matches even if he was feuding with somebody else yeah he didn't care he was so awful yeah he was like literally just like an annoying neighbor or something yeah. that wouldn't go away like get the fuck out yeah, of here yeah he just would not <laughs> leave brett alone and that's what made it so good and that's what made by the time they got to WrestleMania 13, why the match was so good. Yeah. I didn't even expect the match to be that good, to be honest I with know. you, because they had already fought. And that's a that's the thing that everyone overlooks, is their first meeting was this very technical match. Right. It was a very good, uh, excellent, like, I would rate it five stars. Yeah, but Austin fought it in Brett's kind of way, and yes. he lost. And exactly. that was kind of the point of it, right? So Austin was kind of like, oh, yeah, you beat me, but I don't care. Yeah. Still a pain in the ass for months. Bret Hart on his best day can't lace my boots, and I'm going to prove that to the world, and I will. I will beat the hell out of Bret. Then they have the WrestleMania 13 thing, and by then, everyone is sick of Bret being like, you know, Stone Cold, you're a <laughs> hyena, your stones are so, so cold, cold. Yep. <laughs> and, all, and all that stuff, and, uh, you know, Bret had obviously snapped by then yeah and that's one of my favorite aspects is mm. austin gets under his skin to the point where he loses his morals that's what happens he he's like i want to kill this man and i'm supposed to be the you know baby face yep. here like so at wrestlemania they have the famous double turn the only time something like that has ever worked yeah i mean ever really, worked. yeah ever it's not worked. like it hasn't been done but but it only worked to that, that one extent oh yeah where Austin turns face, he doesn't give up. And Brett looks like a coward. And a sore winner. Yeah. Because he won. He won and he had and he to still throw was a, it in his face. In Which honestly, the real Brett wouldn't have done. Right. However, if you look at how the feud broke down, Brett's just giving it back to him. He is. But yet the somehow you it. but somehow you sympathize with Austin. Yep. Austin had been doing that same shit that Brett did to him after the match at thirteen. Yep. The whole time. The whole time. He was a jerk. Yeah. Now Brett's a jerk, but the fans don't appreciate it. Yeah. And that's what pushes Brett over what the a, edge. What a feud. God, and then they feud all the way up until Canadian Stampede. And then it's it really tra- what restored the WWF. It really was a huge reason to watch it. Yeah. Now I get I, that was mine. I know you you should volley, obviously, but I I have to hold on to that one. Yeah, sure. 
You want to give um, me one? One that I always think of, and it's shorter, yep. but to me, it's one we did a commentary on recently. I love the Ricky Steamboat Macho Man feud. To me, it's what Simple, yeah. made those two in the 80s, too. Sure. Ricky Steamboat and the Macho Man were both, you know, known, and they were big, and Steamboat may have been a little bit bigger before that. Probably. You know, going back to his NWA days. And he's a virtuous babyface. He's a virtuous babyface, and the Macho Man decides he's going to break his larynx. For no reason. Just Unprovoked. At, in some match on like superstars yeah, or something. Just an asshole. Yeah. Savage was just literally just being an asshole about it. Right. And it, it's a quick build up, but it's 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 just he does this. Yep. And now he's got, you know, Steamboat trying to recover, mm-hmm. and his only purpose is I want to beat the Macho Man for the Intercontinental title. Yeah, that's it. It's great because it builds up slowly and then Steamboat comes back and then got George Animal Steel kind of like Lingering, still getting yeah. on Macho's butt for like all the stuff he's yeah. been doing. <laughs> And then they go to WrestleMania 3 and they, they give this classic. And it tells a story. Excellent. It's, it, you know, Macho Man is trying to break the larynx again. Mm-hmm. But this time, it doesn't work out. Nope. But the same thing he tried to do with the ring bell to break his larynx ends up costing him because he pissed off George Steele and now it bites him in the ass. Poetic justice yep. is served. And he loses his title that he had held for over a year. Yep, and that is pretty much the end of the feud, and it's an excellent feud that led to one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I have to give you another feud, though, that also helped turn the tide for the WWF, maybe even more so than, than okay. Austin Brett. Austin McMahon. Oh, yeah. It's a tale that everyone can relate to. Because it starts with the September of 1997 stunning of Vince McMahon at Madison Square Garden. Well, it predated that. I it mean, really Austin did. was pissing off management for months. He, no, it was absolutely Gorilla Monsoon, Sergeant Slaughter, Jim Ross, yeah, King. All get stunned by Austin. He's These horrible. are all the the in, before you get to the big boss, yeah. right? You keep pissing off management more and referees more. Referees too, obviously. Yeah. Trainers, EMTs. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's no, but beating he, up everybody. He's beating up everyone for no reason. Like, because he's still the same asshole. Yeah, that he well, was. Yeah, other wrestlers. Like, <laughs> he even doesn't if care. yeah, he does, he's, he doesn't care if they're heel or face. It's like don't trust anyone. You know, that was Austin's kind of mo. Now he's got a broken freaking neck. Yeah, and Vince, the owner, he's becoming the owner over the past year. Vince on TV, yeah. you remember? And, and slowly, at first they portray him like you know he's trying to maintain control of yeah, this. Yeah, that's chaos. all it is. Not he's not doing it maliciously. No, but Austin stuns him. I appreciate the fact. That you and the World Wrestling Federation care. And I also appreciate the fact that hell, you can kiss my ass. Right. Okay, a little time goes by. Now in December of 97, Brett's gone. Vince is already hated by the crowd. Yeah. So well, because of the way because Brett, of Brett left. So Austin and Vince have a little bit of a, a hissy over the IC title. Right. And Vince is like, you know what? The Rock's the champion now. Remember that? Like, mm-hmm. Austin forfeits it. You keep talking about your little consequences. So I want to know what you're prepared to do. Are you going to fire me? Vince, The Rock thinks you should fire him. Stay out of this. The Royal Rumble is upcoming. Mike Tyson you ruined it. Yeah, you ruined it. I remember that. Uh. But Vince goes on the record and says that he doesn't want Austin to be the champion. Yeah. Then the day after WrestleMania with the whole like Austin's going to try to be corporate and all yeah. that. Oh, my God. And it, it was so good to their confrontation. And that is, you know, something we'll get into next week. I don't want to give too much yeah. away. But the whole reason that worked, Quinn, was because it was the blue collar guy. Yep. Wanting to kick his boss's ass. 
Right. Like I said, the, the relatability is what made it such a great feud because anybody who has ever worked a job, yeah. you may not hate your boss no, to no. that level. However, there's points in your time when you're like, man, my boss sucks or whatever. Right. right? Mm-hmm. You know, it was just so easy to relate to. That's that's basically the bottom line with it. And everybody, every week, they wanted to see the, the employee get the best of his boss. Mm-hmm. And they tuned in. A lot of them tuned in to see it. And they would trade back and forth, too. You know, yeah. sometimes Vince would get the upper hand for yeah. a little while. It was really intriguing. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. It, it, by God, if anything, yeah, was it JR fun? would say, yeah. It was fun. That was a great feud. I don't know. I... I personally have to put Brett Austin on there as number one. That is one. That is my all-time favorite. My favorite. Well, actually, I think number one yeah. would certainly be actually Austin McMahon, just because of its okay. it propelled the whole company. The whole company was fueled by this thing. Okay, if we're in agreement on yeah. Austin McMahon, I yeah. will not disagree to put that on as number yeah. one. That was the first feud of its kind like that, by yeah. the way. That is the thing they're still trying to do sometimes. They'll never be able to later. replicate it because... ever. It's not just that Austin was unique, (laughs) but also Vince was at a point in his life where he could do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He had established himself enough, but he wasn't too old yet. No. So he could take bumps and stuff. And, you know, it just worked perfectly. And love him or hate him, folks, there is only one Vince McMahon. Right. No one else can do what Vince did. And I think people um, downplay the importance of Vince in that feud because they get tired of the McMahons. But Vince was so good. He was so freaking good. As as far as performing, he was at his best. He absolutely was. 1998, 1999, Vince McMahon is unbelievable. And I have to say, for a guy that's the the boss, and, you know, obviously he can put himself over no matter what, the guy was willing to look like an idiot. Oh, my God. And at the same time, the guy was willing to take pretty vicious bumps for a man his age. You didn't give a shit. A guy in his 50s? Absolutely. It kind of proved that at the end of the day, Vince McMahon will do anything for his company, mm-hmm. and that's something you can actually admire about him. I do admire that. Yeah. For number one, Austin McMahon. Yeah. Okay. Well, for number two, I'm going to hold a, to Brett uh, Austin. What else you want to throw at me? Anything? You want to fight for anything else there? Well, there, Brett Austin's good, man. Yeah, well, there's another big one. Sure. At the, it was at the same event as that Steamboat Macho Man. <laughs> it's not really talked about as much, but Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Yeah, I mean, you can't really get much simpler in, in a good way than yeah, that. Yeah, I, I know a lot for a lot of smarks, they try to overshadow that with Savage, Savage Steamboat. Steamboat. But That sold I the mean, show, for crying out loud. No it, one bought it, the show because of Savage Steamboat. To be honest, that sold out the largest arena in the country at the yeah. time, you know, or whatever it whatever was. Whatever it was, yeah. who cares? I mean, that many people wanting to go there to see wrestling is an achievement in itself. Right. I know it's a basic feud. It's Andre's kind of jealous of Hulk Hogan. They've known each other a long time. Right. Andre was always a good guy in WWF canon, right? Yeah. This is all canonized. Yeah. He's undefeated, again, in WWF canon. Right. Three years is a long time to be champion. Yeah. That whole thing. And, he, and you're bleeding. He rips the crucifix off his stomach. And he's now aligned with the most evil manager in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's all done perfectly. And apparently it was because everyone showed up to see Everyone wanted to see it. Look at this. It's- You know what's very interesting about it is that a lot of people who were there at the time say that they really thought Hulk Hogan didn't have a chance. And I, that's crazy. that's an achievement to me. That's crazy. The guy that was unbeatable. Yeah. Like, and this is a case where who cares about the freaking star rating yeah. of any of their matches? I mean, yeah. the, the WrestleMania 4 one is awful, but WrestleMania 3 is great. I don't care. That's a great match. No. Yeah, I don't care what anyone says. Mark. Oh, my God. And then, of course, the whole 
epilogue and well not even the epilogue the 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 As second the part, continued, yeah. the main event, February of 88, and the whole double referee angle. Yeah, and what does that do? It, it's the most people ever watch wrestling on TV. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, this thing mm, had some weight true, to Flynn. it. I mean, I, I, I can't even. And you can't argue with it, even no matter what you think of the feud. Yeah. You can't argue with it because it put the butts in the seats whether they were in front of their televisions or in the arena. And it's still entertaining television to watch now. Right. It does hold over because it's yeah. a very simple story. It's David and Goliath in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But there's elements of jealousy in there and yeah. corruption. Yeah. There, there are elements of, you know, very relatable things in there. Payoffs and things like that. Yeah. And Hogan's not exactly the most virtuous person either, which you can find a way to right. be like, well, fuck you, Hogan. You're a dick, too. Right. So it's fun for everyone as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I, I think Ooh. it should definitely be in there. Just... I that, mean, is it better than Austin Brett though? It doesn't have the nuance. It doesn't have the, or the nuance quality, but it's you can't argue with its success. It's a, I, I just I can't. I must be in a jovial enough mood to not even fight with you on that. I'll put it in for yeah. number two, Quinn, if you want. It, I'm not going It's a landmark. It. I, it is. It's a landmark in wrestling quality, notwithstanding. You know, if you want that, go watch something else. Right. That's one of the best feuds ever. Mm-hmm. Not only because of its success, but it's fun. Yeah. It is fun. The it's double f- Hebner. Like, there's all this yeah. goofy stuff in it. It's it's a ton of 80s fun. It's basically what Austin McMahon was to the 80s. Kind of. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's Sold like, the show, man. Yeah, it, 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 but that was the central feud of the late 80s. Absolutely was. You know? Okay, for number two, Hogan Andre, I'll do it. Yep. Now can we get Austin Brett on there? You got anything else up your sleeve? Well, I got a, I got another one for you. Let's see. Tommy Dreamer versus Raven, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, okay, go ahead. First of all, I, in our rise into VCW, we mentioned how good it was, and I think we've touched on the details. But the more I'm watching it, I, I've been pit watching it recently, so it's fresh in my memory. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it because of this simple feud is able to pull in every character from the show, and not a lot of feuds can do that. That says something about the power of just, uh, you know, if you center the core on something simple like jealousy, it can explode and you can carry things into it. And the way that feud is booked Mm -hmm. is kind of a model for how Vince Russo was booking the WWF in 97, where, you know, certain feuds would leak all these people in like Brett versus Austin. If you remember that infamous episode of Raw where he punched Hall of Famer Pat Patterson and all that. <laughs> yeah. The whole greatness of that was is that it involved the whole show. And I think that that feud is kind of a pioneer in that way. The it way it's long too that the, feud. Yes, the, and the way it's smart too because they never have Tommy Dreamer beat Raven. No, not until the very to the very end. very very end when it's like Raven's leaving and stuff like yeah, and I could see how people might view that as one-sided also and repetitive. Well, apparently it was putting butts in the seats at the ECW arena and, and making the company grow. I don't, and I don't know if it was. I'm just I think saying ECW it, as a brand was putting butts in the seats. I'm just saying. It, Unemployment was putting butts in the seats. People with nothing to do staggering in there. Say what you will. That's right. What I'm getting at is that that was kind of the engine of the company the same way that Andre yes. and Hulk was the engine and the same way Vince and, and Austin. Austin was the engine of the company. I'll tell you what, I won't disagree with that. Yeah. And from a creative standpoint, it is probably their crowning achievement. Yeah. It is. Yeah, because I mean, that's all the stuff you talk about Sandman yeah. Raven. That's all just all a, ancillary, an like, side yeah. stuff. It yeah. is. However, if we want to talk about engines of a company, I think for mid-80s Crockett, NWA, 
you got to go Flair Dusty, man. Ah, yes. That is that is Austin McMahon of the 80s also. Yes, it is. It, it may be it's even more so. the common man versus the rich man. I think that has to do it. I yeah. think that is, I think we are assholes if we don't put that on. We yeah. know the importance of that feud. We know, and it also leads to one of the first great factions in the Four Horsemen. Exactly. Which, you know, if there was no Four Horsemen, I don't know if there would be an NWO or a DX. Right. The Four Horsemen it's are debatable. the groundwork. Yeah. And the fact that Ric Flair gets a bunch of his friends to yeah. help him beat up Dusty That's Rhodes. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, they're, they're the gang. They're the first real gang. Yeah. You're the center of attention. You're the focal point. And Big Dust, you're going to pay the price. And they're an assholes. Yeah. They're not nice. They're not nice at all. They're not good people. They got over because they, they were kind of funny on the mic and stuff. Yes, and exactly. And the stuff they would talk about their partying and everyone wanted to live that but life. But their actions like, aren't nice. No, they're not good people. And the whole thing with Dusty is if maybe, maybe you're only a WWF fan mainly because some people are. Yeah. He's not happy a polka dot thin. I'm a butcher. No, daddy. he's a serious. Um, he's the common he, man. He's fun and serious. But, you know, if you rile him up and threaten his, his family and he ain't happy with that, he, he you know, he he'll reach out and touch you through the screen. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. And the same thing with Flair. Flair seems like an ideal in the 80s. Yeah. People wanted to be that. Oh, yeah. yeah in, in the 80s, yes. Yeah. The, the suit wearing, jet flying, limousine riding. My shoes cost more than your house. Free Willie Kistel and Willie Dillon. You know, yeah. that type of thing. My, my shoes cost more than your house. It's kind of too... 80s ideologies colliding. It's Absolutely. That family, common man, um, do the right thing. Hard versus, work, M. Ver- yeah. Hard-, <laughs> hard work, Bubba Walker. Versus uh, you live it up for yourself. Money, money, greed. Women. Women. All that shit. You know, drinking. Yeah, 15 F- drinks yeah, a day, yeah, apparently. Yeah, 15 drinks a day. I guess I'm, that wasn't an exaggeration it, there. It, it, and that's another thing that makes a great feud is sometimes it can be two ideologies colliding. I think that makes the best feud. Yeah. I really do, actually. Yeah. So I think... Uh, yeah, Flair versus Dust. I think that has to be. How do you yeah. not? Yeah. I think I think that's number three. That's better than anything else that we're considering. Yeah. Except maybe Brett Austin, but I might I, lose I don't know. There's one. also that dreamer... Uh, Raven thing, which is also two ideologies as yeah. well. Yeah, but like in a Breakfast Club kind of way, though. Yeah, I mean, really, like yeah. Raven is Bender and Dreamer is fucking Emilio Estevez. Yeah, yeah, good. That's where Paul Heyman got that. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Maybe I'm calling it now. I, it's more. It's more the jock bully type yes. against the guy who's kind of like a down Bender versus Emilio Estevez. It's similar. It's not exactly because Tommy Dreamer isn't enviable in all qualities either. You mess with the bull, you get the horns for but, number three. Yeah, just do the Dusty <laughs> for first. Number three, Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair. <laughs> Is Brett Austin going to make it? What the hell's going on here? Hold on a sec. God, now what? I just want to say one thing about ahead, what's interesting about the Raven and Dreamer 2. Yeah, this is it for ECW. Because what? where you say Brett and Austin, one of the big factors of that is that Brett turns, you know, and he's, yes. he's kind of a butthole, right? <laughs> yes, he is a but butthole. But Raven, he gets Tommy Dreamer to do things that that kind of babyface shouldn't be doing, like pile driving a woman. You know what I True. mean? Yes, yes. That's how much he drives it into him like you know that i get it you know i'm just saying like it it. it has it all 
Now, there's a few other ones we need to go through real quick here. Just going to throw some names out there. Okay. We have the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. That's one of the best tag team, the best tag team feud ever. Yeah. You also have the Texas equivalent of that, the Freebirds versus the Von Erics. Right. Also one of the best feuds. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have to consider those real quick. We have Savage versus Hogan, Mm -hmm. which... Eh. If we're talking Hogan feuds, the Uh, Andre one's better. On these levels, I don't know. It's a great feud. It's just not like... No. Brett versus Sean, I don't think so, but I just wanted to make sure that we don't forget that. I think Brett Austin's better than Brett Sean. Mm. Don't you? Brett Austin. Yeah, because Brett Sean well, okay. is kind of the it's reason Brett Sean real life. No, for the me. Brett yeah, it, that's that's exactly the reason it goes off the rails. It's like it's really just honestly, they've wrestled a couple of times. If it didn't turn if the ending mattered. If the ending didn't turn out the way it did, right. then it probably would be like an all time great. Yeah, but it didn't wasn't that good really. As much as I like both, just I can't bitching at each other on TV. Well, it was new at the time. People didn't see wrestlers talking about real life. But I'd much rather have the Austin-Brett dynamic. You know, yeah. that's miles better. And then the Rock-Austin would be my other one I wanted to gloss over real quick. That's a great one. That That is a great one. Um, not as good as Austin-Brett, But though. again, not as good as Austin-Brett. It's not. Not as good as the Midnights. Not as good not as, as the Von Erichs or Freebirds. Freebirds. In all seriousness, we might have to put the Von Erichs, Freebirds, or the Midnights Rock and Roll Express on there. That was a reason to go to those shows, Quinn. Yeah, I mean, it was back in the day where Carrie had two feet to stand on, so it does have some merit there, right? You know, I don't know. I can go either way with any of this. I'm still holding to Brett Austin. I think that's one of the most compelling feuds of all time. I really I like it. The story it tells is beautiful. It is an excellent, excellent feud. It, the The two big matches they had are untouchable in a lot of ways mm-hmm. their survivor series technical match and their wrestlemania 13 all-out blood brawl yeah i mean two five-star matches yeah in a feud quinn it depends on what you're looking for because really i'm looking for a story but are you looking for a long-term thing i don't which we know. have in the free birds which we have in the dreamer raven and the midnights and the midnights are you looking for a short shot which we have not only in the brett austin we got in the steamboat macho man yeah, that's true. Hmm. I would say Brett Austin is the best out of anything we're talking about. And yes, I'm biased because I really liked that feud. Yeah. But come on, man. I mean, two five-star fucking matches, a double turn, a guy completely yeah. changing his character over the course of it. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. And in the ring, few can tell a story like Bret Hart. And that's the one thing it has over all the other ones we're talking about. Like, Savage Steamboat obviously has their match. Right. But Brett and Austin have two matches like that. Yeah. Of that caliber. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. They do. Okay. I'll give it to you on this one. Because uh, I don't have the same attachment to the Von Erich stuff. I don't either. I'm sure I wasn't other in the do. Sportatorium in, like, 1983 to know. You mean the Global Dome. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and also, I wasn't in the Deep South in the late 80s. Yeah, motherfucker. To have that same connection, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all about that connection. And since this is, you know, our vantage point, our Rushmore, I would have to say that that is one of the best feuds I've seen in my life. Can we put it in? Yep. For number four, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. So to recap for Donnie, we have Austin McMahon, we have Hogan Andre, we have Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, and we have Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. That is our Mount Rushmore of wrestling feuds. At any time, please let us know yours. You can tweet at us, email us, or simply go to the Facebook group and let us know what you think. Quinn, why don't you pick one of the worst? Well, I guess I'll have to start with one of the feuds on this show oh, that we God, hate. No, no. Luger versus Tatanka. Oh, God. It was so long. It's so stupid. You know what's funny is what? we never really discussed like 
why it's bad. I mean, to be okay. honest with you, what do you think it's? Why do you? Why do you think it's bad? <laughs> because it just starts for like a stupid reason, and yeah. it just ends in like just horribleness, and it ends way too late, and it's going into like the point where like nobody really even knows it's happening anymore. That's true. Like it's so bad, Joe. Like I don't know how you execute a feud so poorly with a guy that was like one of their number one guys only like a couple months before it's true it brings luger down so bad and it's so long yeah <laughs> why is it so long and why it involves they... like chief j strongbow oh. and i just by the end of it like we saw like on that review i mean like now i feel bad for tatanka which why yeah. am i feeling bad for him i don't know he sucks it's ridiculous ah uh. Yeah, that really is a shitty feud, huh? I mean, that's like, to me, like, one of the worst feuds I've ever seen. I almost don't even want to argue with you, because <laughs> this Lex Luger-Tatanga feud, folks, started in the summer of 94, dragged on through the spring of 95, until, like, right before WrestleMania 11. They had not one good match between them, and the motivation was stupid. It was basically like, Tatanka accuses Luger for a few weeks of selling out to Ted DiBiase, but yeah. he knew that he didn't. Yeah. The whole time it was Tatanka that sold out, so yeah. what did he do? Just, like, he said that to Luger to make him confused, but that was it? <laughs> like, what did Luger ever do wrong? I yeah. guess except steal Tatanka's country. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing is Tatanka you can sort of like feel bad for because like he is a native American. Who the fuck is Lex Luger to claim he's like Mr. America? Tatanka is America. But still, it's just like the dumbest feud. It doesn't mean anything. No, it's stupid. And Chief J Strongbow's involved. Chief J Strongbow sucked. Yeah, he does suck. Like in every aspect yeah. of anything he ever did. <laughs> As an agent, he sucked. As a wrestler, he sucked. Just get him out of here. I got poopy. Did you just say that you, uh, you went poopy? Yeah, it was good. Hmm. Get him out of here. But is that really... Yeah, that is actually really bad. <laughs> it's really up there for me. Now, like, at, I guess only it's only come to me, like, recently how yeah. bad it is. Like, I'm like, holy shit, that's a really bad feud. What about Undertaker versus the entire corporation all of 95? Hmm. That's that's really bad. Is it worse than the time that the Undertaker feuded with Yokozuna and died? Yes. And then, like, Leslie Nielsen had to, like, find him <laughs> or whatever. Every trail I followed led to another... Dead end. Oh, oh, Hogan versus Dungeon of Doom. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, I can't even argue. I mean, right. that, it was so unbelievable. Stupid, and not in a good unbelievable. Yeah, like, if... Not believable. The fact that they had to, like, the blow-off was to have some, like, three-tiered cage where the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, by themselves, fight every single person in the Dungeon of Doom and, like, Ric Flair and, and like, Arn Anderson in sweatpants. sweatpants. Yeah, I was gonna say that. <laughs> like, and, like, a bunch of bullshit. Like, yeah. and they somehow win. It just makes everyone look bad. You like, know, it in really all does. honesty. Yeah, it like, does. It makes every single person involved look bad. Because the fight is is so overly choreographed too because how else are you gonna like do this it's like they're like light punching like everyone up the cage and shit it's terrible there's not a redeeming quality about it yeah and all the vignettes are corny where am i there's no hulkamaniacs here i've never been here before Ah! it's not hot 
Yeah, I don't care if anyone thinks that like the Dungeon of Doom was ironically good. It's not. No. They're really bad. But it's, it's overall not just good. a bad feud. It's a bad feud. It didn't do anything for anyone's career. No. It wasn't enjoyable from a fan point of view. Yeah. And there's no good wrestling in it. To me, it diluted what they had in getting Hulk Hogan in the Macho Man. Exactly. You know, folks. And it made the Four Horsemen look stupid. And it made everyone look stupid. Luger, too. Yeah. Zeus was there. Yeah. Giant haystacks was like imported for that. You yeah. mean by Sorry, yeah. excuse me. Can that be number one? F that. I dude. hate that thing. All right, for, so for number one, the Hogan versus Dungeon of Doom, just that whole feud that culminates in the Thunder Cage or whatever yeah, it's and called. It, uh, you know what? If by one, one second, there's just one other thing to add. It's got the Hulk Hogan like with the Zorro mask. And they shave his like mustache off thing and Kevin Sullivan in a dress. It's all bad. It's, it's it all is. bad. It's not good. And I'm just kind of wanted to just put that exclamation point. Like, holy shit. Like, all this crap happens. For number one. Yeah. Eat shit, my son. Yeah. Eat shit, my son. <laughs> all right. So that's number one. Hogan versus the dud. The yeah. Dungeon of Doom. What, uh, what else is good for bad? What else is good for bad? What did you think of the whole freaking... Uh, Hogan Slaughter Gulf War era. Eh, okay. It's not good or bad. Middling. It's just, just middling. The All stuff right. I think about is a lot of the stuff um Russo did with the Ministry of Darkness. Where to Stephanie? <laughs> and like oh. like like all that shit. The ministry versus the corporation before yes. they merged. Yeah. It's and, so bad. And because they merged. Yeah. Because the conclusion is that they're all friends. It doesn't make any sense. What the fuck kind of feel? What is this, Barney? Oh well. <laughs> So, I don't like you. What? And then, like, they feud, and then they're friends, and they're a corporate ministry. And not only that, like, I know in wrestling that, like, yeah, crazy shit can happen, right? Yep. But, like, it's getting, like, borderline unbelievable to think that The Undertaker could, like, abduct somebody's daughter, and, like, no one calls the cops. And mm. he's, like, he's even more supernatural, like, uh, on a dumber a, level. Yeah, like, and it's the worst version of The Undertaker. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a Dungeon of Doom level of, like, stupidness. It's like, Taskmaster Undertaker. Yeah. And he's got Viscera and Midian and, like, Gangrel, He's got all, like, the worst people. It's, like, <laughs> it's basically anybody who could be in the Bone Street crew but isn't. <laughs> like, it's terrible. And Paul Bearer, but he's yeah. horrible. Oh, my God. But then they're feuding with the corporation. Yeah, and who were kind of badasses before this and then the conclusion of the matter is they all are friends at the end yeah because shane like makes a deal or something i don't yes, know it's that's like exactly really what stupid. it is and it's a stupid feud this is the period of time when people talk about 1999 being like great or something yeah. that they're forgetting no this was really really bad let me be the first to introduce you to the corporate ministry oh my god well because there was like 19 people in each faction yeah and no one did anything that mattered yeah, like, I don't like you. I don't like you. And then it's just that. Oh, let's be friends. Yeah. To and fight. where's Austin in all this? It's uh, he's the only sane person in yeah. the room. How is that possible? I don't know. It's stupid. I it's hate dumb. And I hate it. All right. So for number two, the corporate ministry versus no, the ministry versus the corporation because it became the corporate ministry. Right. Die, die, die horrible um so that's two <laughs> i really don't like the triple h booker t feud from o two o two o three. i hate it because, because of how it ended it, yeah it's that like matters booker too. t should win yep and i never used to think that but you made a convincing case for that once and as i've thought about it yeah because one of the most important things about a story is its ending yeah what does everyone want to know with the story how does yeah. it end that's right. why you watch and it's unusual for the wwe even back then 
mm-hmm. they they still were kind of a babyface company, right? Yeah. This was during a time when they had decided that they were going to put all the chips into Triple H essentially being like Ric Flair and yeah. like just healing it up and always winning. He won at WrestleMania. Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, him beating Booker T is kind of like, it's almost like a downswing. It's kind of like, man, this shit's gone way too far. Like, Triple H just never loses to the point of like, it just sucks. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, no one can ever get ahead. No, it's boring. Remember yeah. the Scott Steiner feud, too? That was awful. It, anyone he touched, he beat. And it be, it started to become a joke that Triple H would bury everyone. And maybe he wasn't burying everyone. He wasn't. But perception seemed to become a reality after a while with it. And it just sucked. I have something worse. Fine. I have something actually worse than that. Okay. And, and I'm, you're gonna, I'm gonna catch so much shit from you on this. Sure. I don't like it, though. Hogan Sting, 97. It's horrible. They never fought. The one time they did, the match is really bad. The ending is fucked. Bret Hart is somehow involved. It's a bad feud. Everyone has these fond memories. All Sting fucking did was show up and be like, I'm going to hit you with a bat every now and then. And then, like, he had a crow sometimes. Never talked. Never did a damn thing for 15 fucking months. Shows up, has a crappy match with Hulk Hogan with Bret Hart interfering. And that's, that's a good feud. I don't think you're correct at all. Fight? Fight. Kitchen? Kitchen. Yeah. I'm right. I think it's a great feud, and I'll tell it's you... It's horrible. And let me tell you why. There's nothing good about it. Uh, you know how I said the Triple H slow burn was frustrating? Yes. This was one of those things that Sting was doing just enough. He was doing just enough every week where people were like, oh, I just want to see more the next week. He'd come in, you know, hit a couple NWO guys, right? Yeah, jo- Mike Rotunda, good. Yeah. I'm just saying... The point at which they signed the match. Mm -hmm. When J.J. Dillon's like, what do they want? Right. And to me, that showed you that all of that was worth it. Because no matter how the outcome was, I know you said sometimes the outcome matters. Sometimes it doesn't. No, it always does. No matter what, Starcade 97 was sold primarily on that. And I think it was one of their better pay-per-views because of that. Because they, they spent the time. Horrible pay-per-view. And Sting, for all intents and purposes, that's what made Sting over the top. He finally was like an equal to Hogan rather than just some friend of Hogan that never like never could win the big one. It was a horrible match at a horrible pay-per-view. And the ending does matter. But Sting won, to be fair. In a very dubious circumstances. And How- so was the NWO dubious? Pardon me? The NWO was dubious, too. They, yeah, but it they was a did, horrible match. They did the same shit there was all, a, like, for ale- 15 months. An alleged it. fast count. Yeah. That wasn't a fast count. Right. So Bret Hart, Bret Hart runs out, and he's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> you have all this anticipation. Stan comes out looking like a pizza delivery man. He sucks. He can't wrestle for shit. They waddle around the ring for 12 minutes. Hogan dominates the match mm-hmm. and wins. He actually gets a one, two, three pin on the supposed hero. And then Bret Hart runs out, and he's like, you know, I don't like when people get screwed. And then all of a sudden, Sting wins with a bullshit finish. How is that good? I'm not saying it's good. I understand that the execution was wrong. Well, that matters. But I don't think that makes it like the worst feud ever. Pork rind. Pork rind. You have to remember why that fast count angle, even though Nick Patrick fucked it up or whatever. Or was paid to fuck it up. I don't know. We don't know. Whatever the fuck happened... 
he the whole idea was they were playing off the fact that they had the crooked ref who you thought wasn't crooked anymore but he was paid off the whole time that it was the same it was the nwo pulling the same trick but now they got caught but because he's a fucking idiot and he counts slow the, you're gonna say all that build up it's like now the worst feud to ever exist it like, wasn't really good build up because hogan was only on nitro every fourth week it was, sting, it was fine joe and sting all he did was hit people with the bat occasionally what's good about it, that you're, you're, it took way too long to tell that story it's like the shaggy dog story where you ramble on and on and on and on and there's an anticlimactic anti-joke punchline it is bullshit it was a big letdown and let the air out of wcw's tires mm. it did I seem to recall a different company doing things that were actually new and different and exciting and fan-fulfilling and fun and interesting on the other channel. I can't I can't condone that being on Death Valley, Joe. It's just it's ridiculous. Horrible. It's ridiculous. It is a large-scale fart. <laughs> it's not that bad. Quinn, you fart when no one can hear you. That's one thing. You fart and everyone can hear it, and it's a long, drawn-out fart in the library. It echoes loud. And Listen. that was a loud, echoing Listen. fart. You call that bad? I'll, I can one up that any second with a w, another Pl- W sub. Please thing. go ahead. The New Blood versus the Millionaires Club. That is fine. I'll put that on. That is way worse than any of that that you're way talking. Way worse. The fucking Millionaires keep winning, and the new, how are what the New mean? Blood the heels? Like, what the hell is this? Like, there's no excuse for that. <laughs> the New Blood are the heels. Yeah, they shouldn't be. They should never have been the heels. There's a faction called the Millionaires Club, and they're right. the faces. It makes no sense. I don't even have to tell you a lot about it. You could just go listen to that that it's thunder awful. we did. But it's, fuck, like, yeah. what the fuck was that? That is so unfair because what you had here, folks, this is mid 2000 WCW. What you basically had was a bunch of young talent yeah. called the New Blood feuding with all the old, overpaid, lazy ass guys, and that's like real. Yeah, they actually were. Yeah, doing dick like Hogan, Nash, and not only that. This was the stupidest thing about it from a business perspective. Yeah. They said, let's put everyone with creative control in the same faction and have them feud with everyone who doesn't have creative control. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? Yeah, that was bad. I'll put that on as number three. It's horrible. No, no argument. It's horrible. It's horrible. New Blood versus Millionaire's Club, WCW 2000, number three. Yeah. Die, die, die. Yeah, I'm not going to at all try to contest that. Yeah. So what are we putting on as number four? Then Anything else here? Hogan Sting sucks. One day you're going to see the light on that. I don't know. Joe. I've come around and seen the light on so many of your theories and things like that. <laughs> One of these days you're going to realize I just, it. I just don't think it's that bad. Like you it, are misremembering how good that was. Here's the thing with a, a good or bad feud. What? I'm remembering the feeling it gave me. And to be fair, it did strike emotion when Sting finally was granted his title shot. It, there was something to that. And no matter what you think about it, looking back at it, I can still put myself in a time and a place where I was watching Nitro or Thunder or wherever the fuck it was announced. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, they're going to fight. This is awesome. <sighs> I so mean, it did that. It did what it was supposed well, to do. It got me to want to watch the fucking pay-per-view. It did, but then the ending sucked and the ending does matter. It does, but I just Who, don't. I just don't think in this case this feud was too built up for it to like matter. It's no, just that's like, bullshit. It's just like the Andre Hogan match. That match sucks balls, but you're not like this feud blows. But the ending made sense. Hogan won fair and square, and technically Sting won at the end. So what's your problem? Because what happened is that the next 
fucking night. He didn't have the title. They overturned it. That's not the, the feud, though. Yes, it is. The feud's it over at no, Starcade. it is not. What are you talking about? They wrestled again at Super Sting Brawl. Sting lingered off into NWO red and black. You don't remember. You don't yeah. remember. Like, they wrestled again at Super Brawl. It didn't matter. Nobody cared by that. Exactly, point. because their Starcade match fucked it up. Gosh, it's kind of like moonlighting, isn't it? If that's fine, but that doesn't Quinn, make the whole feud shitty. You're it saying, doesn't make it death valley. That's like you're saying that because Bret and Austin wrestled at Survivor Series 96 that nothing mattered after that. You're remembering Starcade, but that is not the end of the feud. It doesn't matter because I can still remember and have emotional feelings about it. And that means it did something right to me. I'm not saying it's like it Mount sucks. Rushmore. I didn't fucking nominate it for Mount Rushmore. It's terrible. However. It's awful. It's I'm putting it it's on. It's just there. No. <laughs> it's just, it's not the worst ever. Or now, anything. folks, you need to understand something here. I have never once abused my power of the die, die, die <laughs> button. Uh, and I never will. I am not unfair. But this is the closest I've ever been. That's insane. No, people are going to agree with me. I promise. It's not good. When shit like The Undertaker versus Kamala exists. Yeah, but it's short and inoffensive. This was a main event feud that dragged out over like the course of a year. Mm-hmm. I can't. There's something to be said for the magnitude of something. If it's yeah, shitty and no one knows about it, because then the ending sucks to something that was built up so well that somehow the whole thing goes from sh- great to shit in one match. Why not? I just think I just think that's hard to believe because I went for the ride with them and I, I enjoyed the ride. I just didn't like the the ending. I fell asleep on the ride. It wasn't that good a ride. I enjoyed I think the you're, ride. You're romanticizing the ride. It was one of the reasons I watched Nitro. Half the Joe. time Hogan is not even there. Half the time he's doing a movie, he's like, oh, Dennis Rodman brother. It felt like he was there. I don't know he what the, what kind of magic they were doing. It just felt like you know something what, was happening. You know what worked. A million times better than that, than the Hogan Sting thing, is when Luger won the title from Hogan. Oh, that was great. That was much better. But that's not... You know why? Because he won it clean, without fucking Bret Hart running in, without any, like, dubious circumstances. How could... that? I just... I cannot demote it to, like, Death Valley. That's insane. I am absolutely 100% demoting it. What else is there? The Invasion. <laughs> Joe, WCW versus How did WWE. They yeah, fuck okay. that up. You know what? You're like, right. It's insane. You're right. Because here's the problem with that feud. Yep. WCW is supposed to come in like, hey, this is like WWF's equal. Like, yep. right? Like they competed with them for all this time, so it should be like back and forth. Yeah. But it was just WCW looks stupid the whole time. They really do. Yeah. They look like a bunch of idiots. And then they start like mixing WWF guys into it so that yes. like it dilutes EC or WCW and ECW. And ECW. Yeah. That's the whole thing is that is what that to me, you know, we talk about the fall of the attitude era. Yeah. That is why. Yeah, because they couldn't follow up. They if they followed it up, up successfully, we might still be watching wrestling at a more regular pace. Yeah. You know what? I'll I, I can't. As much as I would have loved to finally see myself yeah. win out with Hogan, and Sting, I know we don't have to talk about it much. No, we don't. But it, it's just it's a utter failure, and it should have been like. Whereas the Hogan and Sting, right? It should have been great at the end. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, but on a way massive, massive scale because yeah. this should have carried the company yes. to the next level and to the next step. It should have honestly just ended with like it's a stalemate and then there's just a WCW show and there's a WWF show. Yeah, but, but with Vince, of course, that's never going to happen. Right, exactly, but that's why they fucked up and that's why they went into decline after that. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right. 
that that was a very bad feud. Yeah. And because of the... I was talking to Hogan Sting about magnitude, right? Yeah. Well, when you finally buy your competition and you let out that turd yeah. of a feud for six months, F that. Yeah, it, it, makes, no, that you, was it makes you feel like the sale wasn't worth it. Yeah, it, it, makes it, it wasn't. It makes everyone regret the sale because people thought, hey, maybe WCW, you know, now they'll be able to exist, like, co- coincide with the WWF. But yeah. It just it looked petty and stupid. I totally agree. Yeah. I'll put that on as number four. Yeah. Hogan Sting is off the hook. That would have been on. So for number four, the invasion, WWF versus WCW and ECW. Die, die, die. You escaped by the skinnier teeth there, <laughs> Michael. So to recap the Death Valley, we have Hulk Hogan versus the Dungeon of Doom. That's hard. That's bad. Yeah. We have the Ministry of Darkness versus the Corporation. Mm-hmm. We have the New Blood versus the <laughs> that um, was horrible. Millionaires Club. Really bad stuff. Yeah. You're yeah. right. This is all bad. Yeah. And we have the WCW and ECW factions versus the WWF invasion of 2001. All really bad stuff. And folks, we want to hear what you think was really good and really bad stuff. So tweet at us, email us, or of course, go to the Facebook group and let us know what you think. Quinn, let's regroup here, get ourselves back together, you know. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, folks, we are reviewing something. Back after this. I am your champion. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Out of nowhere. Sting. Sting. WCW is Sting. Oh. And Sting is in charge. Sting. Title is being held up. This is wrestling history fans right here. The championship is vacant. That's my belt. I beat this guy twice. You're a dead man. Holden and Sting at Super Brawl. I'll be Sting one, two, three, just like the last time. You're gonna fight until we find out who the real heavyweight champion of the world is. Super Brawl ain't only on pay-per-view. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'd like to advise you that Quinn and I, over the break, we talked about Hogan's sting. Yes. We have an understanding. Yes, we do. It stinks, but it's not one of the worst. Right. We still agree I, I on think that. That's, I think that's fair, right? I think that's fair. Because that's what Quinn. I was trying to say, is basically, yes. it's not the best or anything. It's just not the worst. And I, of course, you know, I would never, ever argue for something for the sake of entertainment value on a show that I do. <laughs> Never. Uh, so folks, Very we, dubious <laughs> thing we, you just said there. <laughs> we are reviewing something. Mm. And for this one, we didn't have to go too far. Not like Japan or anything like that. No, just down to Texas. Yeah, we're back down in Texas. We were there a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Global Dome. Thankfully, it's not the Global Dome yet. Yeah, and I believe we, we were there also back when it was a sportatorium because we're returning to that point yes. in time here. Folks, we're doing world-class championship wrestling again, which we've done before. And we also did its spiritual successor, Global Wrestling. Federation. I think which there's sucked. the re- the reason <laughs> I wanted to go back to this specifically yep. is because I felt that we didn't get a fair look at world class like 
when it was good in its prime if you will yeah because i've i've actually never seen a good thing from world class <laughs> to be honest with you and i was like really looking for sure. that like where the 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 quality was good sure. and the, the the feuds were hot so let's see if this lives up to your hype Quinn. yeah let's go so we are going to world-class championship wrestling that is a fritz von eric territory of the nwa we've talked about it a little bit in our foundational series mm-hmm. and we are going back all the way to october 26th 1985 which is the day that our friend donnie rizzo was born ah coincidence that is totally coincidental so to recap for donnie this world-class championship wrestling is from the day he was born wow donnie rizzo now this is post david being dead right yeah david on our timeline of the von eric tragedies in february of 84 right so we are over a year and a half removed from that and this is post like something with mike yeah, yeah like, something that uh, happened with Mike. Didn't he have like a an issue with like a, a very high fever or something due to some type of sickness? Yeah. So we're we've we're, we have some tragedy, not like most of it yet, sure, but just like two of them. Yeah, just two of them. So we get the classic theme in the intro here with the normal opening. You were saying, Quinn. Yeah, the dun, dun, yeah, dun, dun, <laughs> like that crap, and in and, and it's like the cool. Like what we always see when we think of world class with like the satellites yep. on the earth and like they're zapping the transmissions and everything. <laughs> like that's what I think of when I think of like world class is the, the satellite yeah. hookup that and they always the, bragged about. You see the far away shot of the earth. You were actually asking me, is that supposed to be Texas under those clouds? I think it is. I think it is too. I, I, I can't believe they actually spent the time to find like a graphic of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Only like where they could see Texas like as a little dot on the bottom. <laughs> and zap it so as we mentioned we are from the sportatorium here one of the still the sportatorium we're hosted by bill mercer who looks a little disheveled this week welcome to world-class championship wrestling the major league of professional wrestling seen around the world directly from the sportatorium yeah well you can see that because the video quality is like unbelievable oh yeah this is the world class that we were talking about as far as like being ahead of its time great strides yes. in like how it was presented because this is brightly lit it makes the sportatorium kind of a dinky place like look like somewhere you want to go it doesn't look like a dump <laughs> like it, it's all like perfect that the 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 video quality is pristine oh yeah definitely like, everything is good and nice and well lit and obviously it was made to be put in the can and sent out across the country mm-hmm. and you know sent live across satellites and like it's a really good product overall it absolutely is wwf's footage from 85 does not look this clean no it's nowhere close to this and so (laughs) props to world class because they were the pioneer in this they really were they did a great job here this is in great quality these 32 years later yeah it's fantastic yeah (laughs) it looks beautiful and our opening contest here is a bit of an interesting one a little historical footnote here it is the world class debut of none other than ravishing Rick Rude. Wow. And in front of me, from Robbinsdale, Minnesota, 240 pounds, Rick Rude. This is kind of Rude's uh, debut on the big stage here, right? I mean, I, I don't is. know anywhere in import- important, I mean. Exactly. This is his big, important debut. He yeah. had wrestled before. He wasn't yeah. like a rookie right. wrestler. Right, you can tell by his, his jacket or coat or whatever it is. He's already got the Rick Rude, like, robe. Like, and the robe, yeah. The posing. That same one from WWF, Simply Ravishing with the yep. lips on the back. 
He's got different tights. He's got leopard print long tights in this one, so he's easing into his custom tights type and of thing. And he's got hair on his chest, which is odd for Rick Rude. Which he wouldn't have again until like 92. Yeah. 93 right, WCW. Exactly. And he's fighting Rick McCord, who I seem to recall from something else. I, I swear oh, we've seen him. Chippendales? Yeah, okay. he's got like the Chippendale bow tie on. <laughs> yeah, what was that about? What's weird is Rick Rude is kind of yeah. like, suppose, like you could tell he's the good looking guy. Oh, yeah. Like, and like this Stevie guy. Stevie Wonder could tell that. This guy thinks he's he's like Mr. Chippendales. I'm hot or whatever. He's flabby and like doughy. <laughs> yeah, he looks like shit. He's one of our favorites. You know, the doughy white guy look. Basically, the way he looks is kind of like how the heavenly bodies think they look good. Yes, per- like, particularly Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Yes, exactly. And he kind of McCord with his hair. He kind of looks like a little bit of an imitation Buddy Landell, Ugh. which is not a compliment. No, it's horrible. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Bill Mercer, who I love, by the way, and I'll get into why a little bit later. He mentions that Percy Pringle is Rude's manager. We don't see Percy Pringle, so right. I had a good theory about that. My theory is this, is that when they filmed this, right, Percy Pringle was his manager probably when they were touring, right? Right. So the fans at home, because it was back in this time, these fans were going to like a lot of live shows. So they may have seen Percy Pringle right. with them and been like, why is Percy Pringle not with him now that he's like on TV? Right, right, right. And it probably they just didn't pair them up yet when this taping happened. When the specific match happened, right? Yeah. So he covers for him and just right. mentions him. Yeah. So anyway, Percy Pringle, by the way, in case you don't know, uh, forgive us, is Paul Bearer. Right. Same guy. That was mm-hmm. what he did before he was Paul Bear. Hall of Famer Paul Bear. Hall of Famer Paul Bear. And a Bone Street, Street Crew member Paul yeah. Bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, McCord with some generic face offense, you know, the armbar, the punches, the fired up, you know, slaps and shit like that. And Rude takes back over with a chin lock. The ref has Adidas pants. But not Brian Adidas. He's not yeah. Brian Adidas. <laughs> As we know, because we're definitely going to hear about him later. Yes, we are. This is David Manning, the world-class ref from a few years ago as well. So Mercer rambles about Waldo Von <laughs> and Lance Von Eric. So, okay, Lance Von... Yeah, I think this needs to be explained. <sighs> so, Fritz, I guess, was in a tag team at some back, point, Back Quinn. in the 1890s <laughs> or whenever they wrestled. <laughs> when the steam engine was invented, <laughs> yeah. Fritz Von Eric was teaming up with Waldo Von Eric, his, his kayfabe brother. Right. <laughs> and apparently, this Waldo fake brother yeah. had a fake son <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> named Lance Von Eric. He is like the most far-removed Von Eric, the fake brother's <laughs> fake son. <laughs> Like, he's nothing. He's nothing. He's literally not a Von Eric. I don't even know that he's from Texas or not. I'm really not sure. You notice how he vaguely says later on in this show that he was doing something in Europe? Yeah, exactly. Like, to, to hint that, like, oh, Von Eric, like, yeah. they're Germans or whatever. Bullshit. Yeah. So anyway, Rude's working this chin lock for hours, so what I'd like to have right now is something <laughs> exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said to me, Quinn, this sure is a match. Yeah, it sure exists. <laughs> and then Rude puts him away, not with the Rude Awakening, but with a DDT. A rude DDT, uh-huh. I maybe, guess. Maybe that's why the Jake feud started. See, they should have used that. Well, Jake had been in world class only a couple months prior yeah. to this. And he was good. So that was an unexpected finish. I'll say that much. And our next match, Quinn, is Cowboy Scott Casey, who hmm. <laughs> we know you might, him. You might remember him as non-Cowboy Scott Casey from the WWF in like '88, right? Why, yeah. Remember, he was like on a Survivor Series team. Yeah, he was. He was <laughs> for a, no reason. I remember him like on a lot of like superstars yes. and primetime wrestling and like he pay-per-views and stuff. He wasn't like necessarily a jobber, but he didn't win. He, he was, was a JTTS, yeah, exactly. That's all he was. But you know who he's with here? He's with Sunshine, who you might remember from uh, Jimmy Garvin era. Yeah, and she looks way different from when she was with Jimmy Garvin, I'll say that much. She does, yeah. and Scott Casey here is fighting David Peterson, who kind of looks like 
a generic like 80s Magnum TA Tom Selleck. To me, he looked like what Scott Casey looked like when he was in the WWF. It <laughs> was like hair. it was really weird. It was like he was facing a future version of himself. <laughs> And then in the meantime here, Bill Mercer waxes fondly about the <laughs> Cotton Bowl Spectacular. Yeah, he really acts like like it was like many eons ago. Yeah, that, I think that, it was last week. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> ah, the Cotton Bowl. Ah, the Cotton Bowl Spectacular. Ah, the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Which is very, very fun. I love, I love this show. It's very endearing. Like, the ring announcer is very proper. Like, good evening, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. some great wrestling for you. Bill Mercer is very folksy and fun. I like him. It's very It's a very pleasant. welcoming show. Very welcoming. Very hospitable. Mm-hmm. So David Manning is the ref again. Um, not much going on in the ring, honestly. They tussle for a bit with some arm and leg and chin locks. It, you know, if there's a lock for it, they're doing it. It's that type of match. It's it sure is a wrestling match. It like, is. Like that's really all I can say about it. It's just some wrestling, and it's not bad. It's not great. No. It's just there. It's just there. You know, test yeah. of strength. Big body slam by Peterson and Quinn. You said to me these guys have names like people that you went to school with. Yeah, it's you know, it's very odd. It's like I could know any of these guys. Right. Exactly. Like, it, it just seems like they're normal folks. And yeah. I don't know if I like that in my wrestling to be honest with you well vince didn't you know vince was all about the larger than life you know we have it big (laughs) there's there's one thing to be larger than life but there's a completely other thing to just be like normal sized in life Like, like bret hart yeah, but I mean, like, to the point where it's like, I don't care about this. Like Scott Casey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so, Bret Hart's like an underdog, but Scott Casey just, he's fighting he's not other... not even a dog. He's fighting other dogs. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> he's at the pound. Anyway, a hip toss by Peterson as we see a guy proudly smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Because why it's, not? It's during that era, which is weird because it's so brightly lit in television Yeah, you can see it. It's amazing that they allow for people <laughs> to even smoke, considering they, like, want to look nice on TV. You know, it's not like... When you watch The Price is Right in the 70s, you just see people smoking in the background. <laughs> they clearly are like, well, it is a television studio, right, right. so we don't do that here. True, except for like Johnny Carson, like Match Game, but that was part of the sleazy atmosphere, right? Yeah, and that was also more the 60s, not 60s, 70s. That got eradicated around the late 70s. Eradicated. Smoking on the show stuff. Good word, Quinn, eradicated. Yeah. Anyway, Quinn is looking up Scott Casey's WWF hair. In the meantime, <laughs> he regains control with a body slam and a full <laughs> Nelson. This is a perfectly nondescript match, like we mentioned. David Manning has a weird count, by the way, where he kind of goes down to one knee like he's proposing to the wrestlers when he counts for three. <laughs> the fans chant, go, Scott, go, which I wouldn't mind. Go, Scotty, go, go, <laughs> he go. go. He can yeah. go out of the ring. That'd be fine. Yeah, enough of this match. Seriously, <laughs> this match is boring. Yeah, and it's back and forth for a while. Very wrestly. And speaking of wrestly, Scott Casey wins with that age-old classic finisher, the backslide. <laughs> what? Like... Why did this exist, this match? Very, like, seriously. Very boring. It was boring. The ending is boring. It's just like, oh, well, I guess he did a move that, yeah. uh, that like, the other guy could have done that. Like, Any, either of that. And either of them could have won, is basically how I felt by the end. It was very even. But the thing is, is that they're acting like Scott Casey's getting this big push. They give him sunshine, and, like, they're talking about other people yeah. and stuff. And it was just bland. Yeah. They shake hands. Very nice. So we go to ringside. Yes, there's more of this. And and uh, Bill Mercer is interviewing Scott Casey about Kabuki. So, okay, last time. I hate Kabuki. Me too. Last time we did a world class, which was uh, three years earlier. It was 82. Yeah. There was the Kabuki incident. Right. He's still a factor in 85. Isn't he like 70? He's so <laughs> old. I mean, how big could his stomach be by this point? Because <laughs> the last time we saw him, he had a gut out to like Wisconsin. <laughs> it's like if he was standing in Kentucky, his gut would be like out to like Illinois. 
And that concludes today's geography lesson. Yeah. So he says it's like Pearl Harbor again. What a gorilla monsoon. Give him that line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we Pearl Harbor them. <laughs> Which isn't a dead subject. This is Scott Casey says this. Then he calls out, this is even better, Quinn, Hollywood John Tatum. Really? This guy from the GWF thing? He lung- He's around? <laughs> I guess he lingered into GWF, oh! which is even worse. I that's thought- how, that's, that, that, this John Tatum, he is so shitty that he never even made it out of world class to like WCW or anything. He just stuck around and waited for there to be like a replacement to world class. <laughs> Maybe he lived at the Sportatorium. Maybe he like washed the floors or something. <laughs> so Sunshine bitches about Missy Hyatt. Yeah, Whatever you weird. say there, Grace under fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she She imagined. looks like Rhett Butler or whatever her name is. Is that her name? Rhett Butler? Rhett Butler. Rhett Butler. Quentin. Rhett Butler's from God on the Wind, right? Quentin. Quentin. Quentin, sit still. Yeah, she's very momish here. It's very weird. So we clipped it. Remember when her her ex-husband was also on Home Improvement? Stop. <laughs> hey, Timmy. <laughs> so we clipped to Missy Hyatt having a hissy and Tatum getting her out of there. Yeah, more like hissy Hyatt. <laughs> Thank you. While Sunshine eggs are on to like get in the ring this is from some other thing where the ring was like red i don't know by the way i noticed that sunshine's wearing a full black leather like dress right yes under the dress Mm -hmm. is full black leather pants it's bad it's like leather on leather and it's like really weird looking it's really not good and also um scott casey was dressed like dr death steve williams (laughs) which is yeah that was the other thing it's dr death next to leather lady (laughs) see you instantly it sounds better if you just say those words you know vince would have done it anyway our next match here is the grappler versus tommy montana so bill mercer helpfully (laughs) tells us that is Tommy Montana. Yeah. <laughs> After he's introduced. You know what I just realized? He looks nothing like him, but his name sounds like Tony Montana from, <laughs> from uh, Scarface. Say hello to my mustache. That's Tommy Montana. <laughs> so the grappler grapples his opponent here. And <laughs> Basically. <I'm, laughs> it's just what the mauler. It and I love Bill Mercer. I think Quinn went to pee at this time, but Bill Mercer Quinn was talking about how there might be an issue with the grappler's legs because one of his shoes is thicker, so he's <laughs> thinking that maybe one of his legs is longer than the other. I'm not sure. Well, it's like the Raven. Remember when Raven, that one boot? Yes. It's like that idea, I guess. Yeah, I guess Weird. so. So lots of grappling on the mat. Bronco Lubick is the oh, rep, by the way. There should be grappling, by the way. There I mean, better be grappling. He I'm, is the grappler. I want my money back if there's no grappling. Do you no. think the grappler should have like the bar above his head from WWF Raw? Like and, the tug-of-war system? Yeah. Yes, I was expecting that and he's the grappler he's grappling he's the best grappler <laughs> so mercer brings up jack victory and quinn you asked me like why are we always hearing that name because i was coming back from the toilet <laughs> and all i hear is jack victory i'm like how does he like always squirm his way into these reviews and he's not good yeah jack victory is pretty shitty he's nothing he's really not good so anyway a wrist lock by the grappler and then a big shoulder breaker back to the wrist lock mercer salutes the friendly city of philadelphia it's the brotherly city of philadelphia <laughs> not the friendly city what is he talking about I don't know. this was on a wwsg channel 57 by the way great seriously another wrist lock then montana kicks him a little to no avail big knee lift by the grappler and back to the wrist lock this is a wrist lock match really <sighs> so you know what gorilla monsoon would be happy because the grappler does know a wrist lock from a wrist watch. I will say this, as boring as these matches are, it's still it they're fine. feels like super it's like watching star. superstars. Yeah, because I think the quality really lifts up a lot of the like crappiness. I would totally agree with you. It's very easy to watch this. Yeah, this is this it's is very like well. consumable. The like matches, even though it's dump. 
the matches aren't great, but the production is good. Yeah, and it the feels flow, like something's happening here, right? The pace, yep. And I love Bill. I'm, seriously, folks, if you've never watched World Class, Bill Mercer is a very like folksy, easy yeah, to listen to he's announcer. Fine. He's really fine, and he's fine even for like the mainstream. So yeah, he's fine. It makes sense why they were able to like beam this to different parts of yeah. the country, and people were like, "Yeah, this is fine." Yeah, I I could see why honestly. Yeah. So anyway, we um go back to the ring here. Grappler misses an elbow. Montana takes control for a second before Grappler finally puts him away with a pretty crappy flying clothesline. Mm-hmm. That's why he's not the striker. Yes. <laughs> oh, beautiful! From the Cotton Bowl, ah, the Cotton Bowl, we have an interview here with Mike, Fritz, and Lance Von Erich, and here's the gist of it, folks. Mike is doing better. <sighs> this always bothers me, this Mike thing. That they trot him out there and have him. It's because a, it's it wasn't... Bad. I swear there was something wrong with his head or something like that. Well, the fever fucked him up. Right. Like, it, it's it, like, I don't know he if it was looks, brain damage or yeah, what. He you know? looks like not okay. Like he should not be on television. And, I, and I feel bad I, like, that, that he was out there. Like yeah. his like this was not right. What Fritz did to br- trot him out there and push him and shit. Uh, yeah. And I, try to get him back in the ring. because He does not look okay. He doesn't look okay. Fritz is very thankful though that he's doing better. And then we bring in Lance and Lance is awful and he kind of looks like zach morris yeah this is where i said before he mentions how i got to do things in europe which is clearly fake just to like trump up the german heritage yeah i know i'm over there in europe okay yeah so anyway time for the main event here it's a chicago street fight which is interesting because we're in texas and you know what it's not really a chicago street no it's It's just a tornado tag it's a tornado tag match yeah they call it a chicago street fight it's not in chicago it's not a street fight it's just a tornado tag with the texas tornado terry von eric and the Iceman. oh yeah parsons he sucks he is really bad more on him sucking later and they're facing quinn one man gang and a very old man named Maniac Mark Lewin. Now, this guy, he's got gray hair. Yes. He's got gray pants. He's older than Gary Hart. I looked it up. Yes. They're like five, five years older than Gary Hart. Yeah. Gary Hart's old as shit here. Yeah, Gary Hart's like in his mid 40s. Yeah. He this guy's like 49. Yes. Like, so they have Gary Hart with them. He's their manager, by the way. And you also said to me, Quinn, one man gang has like slightly too much hair. What it is, is what I noticed is, you know how the one man gang has the, um, the, the, the mohawk. mohawk, right? Yeah. But his mohawk hair is like, it's cut, it's like ready to be in a mohawk. He just doesn't have the stuff in it. So it's like flopping down. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird. <laughs> it is weird. Yeah. So anyway, we get a nice drop kick by Kerry onto the one-man gang. And then he and Parsons do a double drop kick to Lewin. And then they do in the gang as well. And then Kerry and the gang square off while Lewin and Parsons are literally just fucking around in the other corner. Like <laughs> well, they're just Lewin like, is contributing he, nothing to this match. With his stupid gray sweatpants, like he seriously looks like a dad that got upset at a barbecue. He looks, he looks like he should be barbecuing for the wrestlers on the outside. <laughs> the sweatpants show. The sweatpants. He's literally wearing sweatpants. Remember yeah. how we always talk about Arn and sweatpants yeah. from uh, the cage thing? This is more like Grandpa <laughs> in sweatpants. How, how's a Grandpa? Yeah. So the heels now toss the faces to the outside back in and carry with a nice double clothesline on both guys and a few big tornado punches. Parsons Quinn is useless. Yes. He's doing nothing good. He's, he just, they always like knock him out and he's just like, oh, my smack King Parsons going to sit here. Like he just does nothing. Wasn't he one of the reasons that you turned off world class a long time yes, ago? Yes, this is the reason why I couldn't like get into it early on. They've been pushing this guy, what, for like two years now? He sucks. He sucks balls. He's really like, bad. Like he's the worst thing in world class. <laughs> he is bad. So Carrie tries to get the claw, but Gang wiggles onto the ropes and then Lewin eats the post and Gang gets knocked to the outside by Carrie 
Perry. And you asked me, why is the Iceman a king of any kind? What is he the king of? Like, I'm know. serious. He's the he's the king of ice. I think his name is King. Like he's the Iceman King. Who would name this guy King? (laughs) What is he? The guy from Tekken? (laughs) King? Remember King? Yeah, remember King? So now Carrie and Lewin square off, and Lewin gets the upper hand while Gang bites Parsons. Rick Hazard is the ref, by the way, which is an awesome name. Lewin stomps on Carrie's leg while Parsons mounts a comeback against Gang, and Gang and Lewin double team Carrie's leg for a while with stomps. And Iceman comes back in and he tries to get Gang away from Kerry as Kerry claws Gary Hart, which is always fine with me if you're going to claw Gary why Hart. Why is he, ca- like, why yeah, is, is the ref <laughs> counting? The ref starts counting, like, when when um, Kerry's clawing <laughs> yes, Gary Hart. What the Hart. hell is that about? Gary Hart's not even in the fucking match. Right. What is he, like, what is like he going to stop him doing? Like, what is he going to disqualify him for hitting Gary Hart, who's not a wrestler and not in this match? Very good point, Quinn. So Kerry gets the claw on Lewin and gang and you had a problem with the claw yeah the claw sucks <laughs> like it just doesn't look like it hurts like That's at true. all it's like just it's like, just like i, like, I do that i do, do that, that to my your, son your son yeah <laughs> it's nothing it's, it's like not- i go it, i could do it to you right now <laughs> and the viewer you could do the whole podcast while i put my hand on your face yeah, and, and i would and just like, kind of sound like this it's like oh great the claw <laughs> so anyway parsons also does a massage to lewin or something i yeah. don't know what was he was like giving him a massage he just decides i'm gonna mas- this is the it's like you know when hawk who gives people a massage in oh, no yeah, match? That, it was bullshit. It was really bad. So Lewin with a knee jam to carry, according to Bill Mercer. Mm-hmm. And then, this is the best part, is gangs holding carry from behind, you know, like <laughs> setting him up for a double yeah, team move. Yeah. And Lewin does a, according to Bill Mercer, karate attempt. Not even karate at all. It's just like, a, like tries to punch him or something. It's <laughs> karate so, attempt. Oh, karate attempt. Like, it was, it was yeah, very like girl about soon yeah. of, of Bill Mercer. What is karate attempt? But Carrie ducks. So then this is the best part of the show, in all honesty, because yeah. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. The gang attacks Gary Hart. Yeah. And weird. he attacks Eleven. He's like, fuck you guys. I've had enough of you. Yeah. It's like, you guys <laughs> suck. Like, I would, I would have, the minute Gary Hart, like, propositioned a tag team with this old man, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, that guy's like, so old it's true what is he here for no he's like huffing and puffing the whole match a piece of shit didn't you say he debuted in like the 50s yes 1953 or something was his debut i'm not kidding how is that why is he still here it's ridiculous (laughs) i know it's 85 but that's like 40 years ago or something it's still like 30 something years since his debut nearly 40 years ago it's ridiculous. On. So anyway, Gang cuts a promo and he's like, you guys suck. So Lewin attacks him from behind with like a chisel. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> he drives a chisel into his head. We get a pretty decent blade job by the gang. And then that shitty bell <laughs> it's rings. It's like really hollow or something. I don't know. It's really it sounds bad. like a church bell instead yeah. of a like ring bell. But the gang comes flying out. Blood stains as he is and battered. So the heels run away, and the gang chases them to the outside. He actually kicks the door, the back door of the sportatorium yeah, he just, open. like, leaves. Because <laughs> it's like the sportatorium's, like, tiny. It's like the size of our basement. It pretty much is. Yeah. And meanwhile, Carrie and Parsons have won this match, because get this. Yes. Not not all of this nonsense. No. that <laughs> Not the claw to Gary Hart. Not Gary Hart, like, hitting his own man. No, nothing like that. Causing no. a DQ, because it technically would be. It would be. Yeah. Apparently, Lewin threw Parsons over the top rope at some point. What? That's the thing. <laughs> Did Bill Watts book this? 
Why is that still illegal? I like, no. What the fuck with that? How does that shit from Bill Watts leak all over like anything NWA? It's like really know. weird. Or was it an NWA rule and then Bill Watts carried it over? Either way, it's a dumb rule by this point in wrestling. Well, Bill Watts would be involved with them soon. That's true. Here's a good general rule if you should have the over the top thing or not. Is Hulk Hogan like in the WWF? Yes. Then you shouldn't have this rule anymore. (laughs) That's all there is to it. If Bob Backlund's the champion, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If Bruno's the champion, fine. No one cares about this over-the-top rule shit anymore. This is during the Hulkamania era. Saturday Night's main event is on national television like this month, like October of 85. Yeah. The Oktoberfest episode that everyone loves, you know, where everyone's dressed up. Yeah. You don't need this over-the-top rule. But anyway, next week is the hair match from the Cotton Bowl. Goodbye. Ah, the Cotton Bowl. Ah, the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, Quinn, I would say that was a perfectly acceptable, enjoying, uh, enjoyable, endearing uh, hour yeah, of wrestling. it was fine. It no really was. I it. have no issue with it. it. It just, it was a bunch of matches. It was like Superstars or something like that. Yeah. Or WWE Saturday Night, either yeah. or. I'm glad I watched this because now I know, like, okay, World Class was, like, a good, decent yeah. thing. It was not shitty. We've just yeah. seen some bad episodes. Terry looked really good in all seriousness. He yeah. looked great. Rick Rude got to see his debut. One Man Gang was there. Yeah, it's some good pr- names. It's prior to the tassels on the boots. It's Kerry prior Von. to that. That's yeah. right. And he looked good. He was, yeah. he was like, a, obviously the biggest star of the show. Yeah. Because it's Texas and the Von Erichs are huge yeah. there. Kind of sad to have to see Mike, like you said. Even worse to see Lance because he's not even a Von Erich. Yeah. <laughs> and always fun to hear Bill Mercer. He's just, it's a fun listen. I like it, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So overall, I would say that was pretty good. And uh, that's my thoughts on that, Quinn. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Well, folks, that'll about do it for this week. We thank you for joining us for episode number 58. Don't forget, this Thursday, Thanksgiving, have a very good time, whatever you do with it. And if you're off on Black Friday, enjoy your time up. But we will be back next week, jumping in with both feet to talk to you about the world of retro wrestling. That's right. We will not come up short. We will definitely be there to talk to you about all the retro wrestling goodness. So until next time, have a great rest of your day. Have a great Thanksgiving. And we will see you next week for episode number 59. See ya. But action is also where to get to Chris Weber. Put locker. Hey, you get into fitness, you're likely to get into athlete's foot. <laughs>